going to be recording you for evidence to be used later. Oh, I better be okay. careful now. <laughs> Very good. good morning, church. Uh, my name is Ricardo Portillo. It's my wife, Angela, and our son, uh, Ricardo. And we are missionaries to the country of Nicaragua. And uh, being that most of us don't know where that is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you. I'm going to maybe help you with that. If you, know, you know where the United States is, okay? You know the United States and you go south, Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, uh, El Salvador, okay, and El Salvador is this little strip of, of country there, and then right to, to the right of El Salvador is Honduras, and just under Honduras lies the country of Nicaragua. So right there between Honduras and Costa Rica, that's where Nicaragua is. So if you know it the other way around, if you know where like the Panama Canal is, Panama Canal, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and since so it's in Central America, it's not in Africa as many people think, it's in, it's in Central America. and. Uh, Myself, my dad is uh, originally from El Salvador, a country almost next door to Nicaragua. My mom's from Chile. Uh, I was born and raised in Sydney. Uh, my wife is uh, also born and raised in Sydney. She is the second daughter of um, Pastor Keith Piper in Sydney. If, you ever, um, if you've seen the Massive Answers book, you know uh, who Pastor Piper is. Um, and we are now heading in just about three weeks now uh, over to, to our mission field. Uh, we have uh, now for almost a year um, been raising our support and currently we are about 85% and you are this morning officially our last church that we are visiting under our deputation. So now over 100 churches we visited in this past year uh, and now you are officially the last one. And, uh, but we're, we're excited to, um, to head over in a few weeks. Um, we, uh, I'll maybe just share a bit of background of myself and uh, who we are and where we're going and all the rest. And my, for myself, I was actually saved in Christchurch. So I was a, a missionary from Brizzy that went over to Christchurch and planted a church there. And uh, at the age of eight, I realized my need for a savior and trusted in Christ for that. Um, and a few years later, I was um, with my family attending a church in Sydney. And it was there that um, the Lord asked me to serve him. And when I surrendered to do that, I was 16 years old and really didn't know what it was to serve God or what I was surrendering to. And a uh, year after that, I was fin- at 16, I finished high school and um, went to Bible college at 17 years old, went over to West Coast Baptist College in California. Um, you probably know Pastor Paul Chapel. Uh, he's the author of many of the books you have there in the library. And I uh, graduated uh, there in 2012. And my third year of Bible college, I was given an amazing opportunity to go and pastor a church in El Salvador for almost a year. And um, in that year, the Lord really um, made greater the burden for, in, in my heart for Spanish-speaking people in Latin America and their need for the gospel. And uh, for me in that year, I, I truly believe that the Lord would, uh, had me just finish Bible college and go back to El Salvador. Uh, but I think a lot of that was just my desire. Uh, I, my Spanish is very Salvadorian. My culture is very Salvadorian. My appetite, very Salvadorian. Uh, so I thought, you know, the Lord would have me go to El Salvador one day. And uh, there was one night there, uh, I was speaking with um, three other preachers at a conference. And the first preacher got up and really poured out his heart and testimony about the need that there was in Nicaragua. And the Lord used that, that preacher that night to uh, have me surrender to go to wherever he would want me to go. And um, a few months after, I got married with Angela and finished uh, my last year of Bible college. And uh, we actually, in my last semester of Bible college, had the opportunity to go for a week and, and see uh, what I had heard so much about Nicaragua. And uh, in that week, the Lord really... Um, burned us with the need that there was. And the comparison of need that I saw, I was 
For that year, I was in El Salvador. I preached all over the country and um, preached with, I'm not sure if, uh, if you've ever heard of the Sword of the Lord. Uh, there's an equivalent in the Spanish-speaking world. And I was preaching conferences for them. And, um, and I was, as I was there, I, I saw those many churches in El Salvador. And although they were small, they were doing great work for God. And uh, the, the, the opposite was, was what we saw in Nicaragua, where uh, there are great churches in Nicaragua, in the capital city. But there are cities of hundreds of thousands of people that have yet to have one church that preaches, He that hath the Son hath life. And uh, that, just, that, that need was what burdened us, and the um, Lord put in our heart to fulfill some of that need there. And um, in 2012, the end of 2012, August to uh, January of last year, we actually um, went for our survey trip. We were there six months, and in those six months, actually, the Lord actually allowed us to start a church. And um, it wasn't our intention or purpose to start our, our church and our survey trip, but the Lord just allowed that to happen and, um, and really showed us how incredibly thirsty and hungry the, the, the people are for the gospel. Uh, Nicaragua, just like all the other Central American countries, has been for so many years um, influenced, saturated by the Catholic Church. And the teaching of Christ is not enough. Christ is added to, to your works. And um, to go there and teach them that these things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know. All those people have, uh, the, the Catholics there, have, their belief is that no one can know for sure. And just to tell them that God's word and God's plan of salvation is intended, that they should know, uh, is an amazing thing. And uh, if you, can, you just imagine, and just, um, I just want to maybe just show, tell you how open it is. We, um, we rented out an old funeral home, and our main hall was probably a quarter, a quarter of the size of this building here, of this hall. And uh, we fit about 120 chairs in there. In our third service, we had 160 in church. And, um, you know, 120 chairs, I had people sit in the aisles and behind me as I preached. It was just amazing to see the thirst and response to God's word there. And not only people that had been saved already, but people that had never heard God's word as, as God's word tells it. And um, it's just, uh, just amazing to see there. We had a pastor friend of mine come up on the very last day that we were there in, um, in January of last year. He brought 50 of his men and women to our, t- to our city. And uh, we went out door knocking on Friday afternoon. And in three hours, uh, we saw the Lord do an amazing work. And we saw 78 people come to trust in Christ as Savior. If you can just think about that, brethren. That 78 people changed their, allowed God to change their eternal destiny from condemnation and hell to celebration in heaven. That's an amazing thing. And the, and the response that we get there, and so day after day we, as we go, it's, um, it's, it's almost pretty much every door that people will let you come in and speak to them about the gospel. And not only that, we'll, they'll invite us in and have everyone in the household, which could be um, up to a dozen people living in one house. And, and time after time we have them um, go out throughout the whole house and sit 12 people down in the living room. And all of a sudden, you've got, after knocking a door, you've got a Bible study of 12 people that want to hear God's word. It's just, it's an amazing open door. Uh, if you know anything about Nicaragua, you know that they've gone through a lot of war. They've gone through communism, just a lot of political instability. And really believe that all these things have led to Nicaragua to be the place that it is now. So fertile and so sincere to the gospel. And Nicaragua right now, 
uh, only, only has been open to the gospel legally for missionaries to go in for the past seven years. Uh, and that's um, amazing thing that when we, we see there that the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and the other cults and deceits haven't got a grasp of Nicaragua. And so we're praying that now people would got the, the, the wonderful words of life, the good news of salvation would go now and preach God's word with boldness and with power, and that we could see God do an amazing work there. Um, brethren, I've, we have at our table there um, just some of our prayer cards. If I could ask you, uh, every single one of you, maybe to take one. We have plenty. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, take one and put it somewhere that you'd remember us, and most of all, pray for us. Brethren, if, that, if brothers, that means that you need to stick it on your fridge because you go past there, that's where I want it. And ladies, if you spend some time in front of your bathroom mirror, that's where I'd like it, okay? Um, remember us, pray for us. You know, think about this, Nicaragua, uh, seven years only open to the gospel legally. And there, has been, there have been other missionaries who have been there throughout the war and throughout the communist re- regime and all that, but legally only open for seven years, which means for so long Satan has kept this place in darkness and he'd like to keep it that way. So we, we, um, we, we ask for your help that you pray for us as we go, God's protection, God's power, God's leading. See, God do an amazing work there. And um, we, we, we pray that um, the Lord would allow us to start many churches and train many men to do the same, uh, just as you're doing here, you know, reaching your community to go over to the other side of the world and preach Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. And um, if you pray for us, we'd, we'd truly appreciate that. And we have... Um, this past year has been amazing and just having, um, going to several churches, many churches and presenting our ministry in Burden. But I'd really like you to remember Nicaragua, an open and fertile country, uh, so needy, so open. And I really believe that the people, with the sincerity of their heart, almost they're their own worst enemy. Because if a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness were to go to their door first, they'd probably trust that. So we're praying that people now would go with the truth of God's word and, and present, it, present it unashamedly and, and with power. And, uh, and if you pray for us in that, in that respect, uh, we'd really appreciate that. sitting on his throne anticipating another sinner will soon become his own years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives a gift of life go sound the horn strike
Holy Spirit has been working to soften up our hearts. All he needs is a willing servant to simply do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy there'll be that day as a sinner bows his head to pray? Can you hear the Father? Take your Bibles with me this morning and go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 this morning. I'll begin reading from there from verse number 11. If you found your place, I could ask you to please stand. We'll read this portion of scripture, Romans 10, beginning there from verse number 11. Romans 10, 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between a Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for a saint saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's pray. It's fine. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, you give us to be in your house this morning and Lord, I thank you this morning that we could sing these praises and, Lord, um, indeed worship a God who is worthy of our praise. And Lord, I thank you this morning that, um, Lord, you give us time to be in your word. Lord, I pray that uh, nothing else, Lord, of the events of the day or of yesterday or tomorrow, Lord, would distract us from right now. You have something to, to share with us, Lord, to tell us, to ask of us, Lord. I, I pray that... Lord, that we'd recognize you as our king and humble ourselves before your word. 
Thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. You are a faithful God. Lord, I pray that you be with us this morning, be present. Lord, that we uh, leave this place having heard from you. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to begin this morning maybe by asking you a question. I think all of us maybe would know the answer. If I was to buy any sort of car you make this morning, a brand new car, and hit the highway, and go and go and go, and never do a tune-up or an oil change on my car, what would eventually happen? Give me an answer. Break down, right? I would go maybe a few thousand kilometers, but after a while, uh, I'll be walking, right? A car needs maintenance. Just to run, not better than usual, but just to run normally. This morning I'd like to take Romans chapter 10 and from verse 11 onwards. If you would, as, God, as God's word tells us, if you allow God's word to be the discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. This morning I'd like to accomplish a spiritual tune-up. A spiritual oil change. As believers this morning, our heart, our yearning, our desire should be the same as that of God. We should seek after the same thing that our God seeks after. We should be yearning for, looking for the same thing that our Lord Christ seeks after. So this morning, the Bible said when the, the, the Christians were first given that title as Christians, they were given the name of Christians because they spoke like, they behaved like, they looked like Christ. And for someone this morning to behave like, look like, speak like Christ, they would have to have the heart of our Lord. This morning I'd like to talk about the heart of God. We give you three truths about salvation and these truths aren't going to be new, you know them. And just like a tune-up, you're not expecting a new engine when you take it into the mechanic, you just a new filter or maybe some new fluid, that's all you expect. This morning I want to show you three truths that we know. But show you God's heart. And if you're not in the same place this morning, I, I, I dare to say this morning that you need a spiritual tune-up. Because all believers should have the heart of God. The Bible says this morning in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But God commended His love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The desire of returning the heart of our God, the King of Kings, is for the salvation of men. And that should be our heart this morning also. That should be our journey, our desire, what we seek of. And we might have good and well-meaning goals and ambitions and aspirations this morning. But this morning I'm talking about the heart of the creator of this universe. The one who is right now sustaining it. The one who right now gave you your next breath. His heart is for the salvation of men. And if it were not so this morning, all of us would be condemned on our way to hell. This morning, the very heart of God is that men should be saved. And I ask you this morning, what is your heart? What is your yearning? 
What is it that you seek after in your life? First, I want to see this first truth of salvation here in Romans chapter 10, verse 11. It says this. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. First, do we see that when our God created, designed, and planned out salvation, he designed salvation for all of humanity, not just for some or for a chosen people or an elect. Salvation was for all of humanity. The Bible says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some may count slackness. But his long suffering to us would not win that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The only reason someone would go to hell today would be of their sin, not because God intended it that way. God prepared hell for Satan and the fallen angels, and if you and I were to go to hell today, we'd go to a place that was never designed or intended for us. The heart of God is that we should have heaven, and thus was his heart that he sent Christ to die for us. Bible says that he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for us only, but for the sins of the whole world. Our Lord's blood was shed for Australia and for uh, South, Central, and North America, for Europe, for Asia, for the Middle East, and yes, even for the Kiwis. Salvation was made for, made for all people. Hello, this morning, can I ask you, do you yearn for the salvation of all people? You know, many a times you can have a missionary here and he can maybe grip you with a nation across the world. But can I ask you, are you this morning yearning for Australia? Do you, and maybe I'll just pause here and maybe explain this word, yearning. You know what I mean? I've homeschooled myself and uh, my parents homeschooled myself and my three sisters and Always thought I knew what the word yearning meant. I knew what the word meant by uh, yearning by definition, but never had really experienced it or seen it until the beginning of last year. And uh, my wife had just gone over her first three months of, of pregnancy and uh, and coming up to her fourth month of pregnancy, and um, she's got over morning sickness and nausea and all those things, and comes up to another sign of some some ladies have, which is cravings. And uh, if you can just imagine this the scene with me. We were in Nicaragua at the time, 8.30 at night on a Sunday, Central America, a third world country, and my wife craves sushi. 8.30 at night, Central America, Nicaragua, third world country, sushi is not going to happen. And offered her this, that, and the other, and I, uh, maybe go to sleep and tomorrow we can go find some sushi and whatever, and she wouldn't hear any of it. She not only wanted sushi at the time, she needed sushi at that time. It consumed her. And I saw her face and it was the greatest yearning at the time. And he's saying to you this morning that, although this might be a silly illustration, but our God yearns after the souls of men. It means that everything else falls on a, on a, on a lower priority. And I praise the Lord this morning that such was His mercy and such was His yearning that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins 2,000 years ago. But if it wasn't for His yearning and for this mercy, brethren, we would have no hope. The yearning of our God this morning is for the souls of men. What is yours? What is it that consumes your life, your motives, your actions, your efforts? 
What is it that, that moves you in the morning? Is it for something else, something else to earn, something else to gain? What is it that, what is your yearning this morning? Can I tell you that that nice house you might get, and these, all these things might be nice, but that nice house you might acquire in your lifetime and spend so much effort to fix up, can you tell me someone else more in that one day? And that car that maybe you spend so much effort to get, it will be a rust, rust bucket one day. And that career and that, and, that, and that job that you're seeking after and putting the extra time to get, someone else will work that one day. But to share Christ with somebody else and give them the, the opportunity to have eternal life given by God, bring them, that's eternal. And that's what our God yearns after this morning. Take your Bibles with me and go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, and I want to show you this portion of the scripture. Isaiah 53, verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as that were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so openeth. Not his mouth. Brethren, oftentimes we can say hello and goodbye and speak small talk and the weather and current affairs and whatever it may be happening here in Melbourne. We can talk with an unsane person and say hello and goodbye and oftentimes and speak current affairs and all these things and oftentimes we fail to share with the Christ. And they tell you what is going through the heart of our God when we say hello and goodbye to an unsaved person, that he was bruised for their iniquities. It says he was bruised for iniquities, he was wounded for their transgressions. Brother, what is your yearning? If you've had a yearning before, you know everything else does not matter. It takes, it takes first priority on life. Everything is just falls in the shadows. He tell you that the yearning of our God this morning is for the salvation of man. Not only, not only across the world, but here in Australia. He tell you this morning, if, this, if you do not have a heart for the salvation of man, and you do not seek that, and you do not yearn after that, and you are not looking for men to be saved, you do not have the heart of God. And as a believer this morning, that is a sad place to be. As a believer this morning, as a follower of Christ, you need to have his heart, his yearning, his, 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 his yearn this morning. Brother, where's your heart? Secondly, I want to see this. Firstly, we know that salvation of our God was designed for all men. But secondly, I want to see this in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. You saw there, Romans 10, verse 17. The Bible says this, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We can go, I, I've, um, this is now as, as, a, as an adult, the first time I've come to Marlborough and I've seen uh, a little bit of it, been around, and it's, it's a beautiful place. I wouldn't say more beautiful than Sydney, but it is a beautiful place. And go, going around, um, 
you and I going around this city and just seeing the beauty of it, as believers this morning, we can come to no other conclusion but that God created all these things. That God is a creator. You're not an unsaved person by seeing the beauty and the complexity of the things in this world. You come to that very same conclusion. That there had to be a creator. There had to be a, 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 an intelligent designer to put all these things. You and I, with our day-to-day decisions, knowing between right and wrong, we know that God has put this law, this conscience, and written on our heart. We know that. You know, an unsaved person can see that every nation and every race has had that same law and come to the conclusion, well, someone must have put that there. An unsaved person this morning, someone that does not have this book, can maybe reason their point to, 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 to figure out there's a creator and a moral lawgiver. But the Bible tells us this morning, so that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Without this book, an unsaved person cannot know that God is Jehovah. And that his son is Jesus Christ who came 2,000 years ago and shed his, his, his blood on the cross. Without this book, they cannot know the wonderful truths that we know about our God. That God, he, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Our God who is immutable, that He never changes. Our God who is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, uh, all omnipresent everywhere. Our God who is, who is the lily of the valley, the bright of morning star, the rose of Sharon, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, Emmanuel. They cannot know all the wonderful things that we know about God without God's Word. So that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Pastor you, brethren. I don't know about you, but I know for me, Someone had to take the time to show me this book so that I would have the faith that I have today. I was an eight-year-old kid and there was an Australian preacher who faithfully preached God's Word. And as he was stepping out of his pastorate, the very last time he preached, he preached on hell. And that night, as an eight-year-old kid, I realized my need for a Savior. I realized this, this church thing that we did every Sunday was because I had a need. And I had a need of Christ because I was a sinner. And for you, maybe you're someone behind a pulse that shared with you Christ. Or maybe someone put out a track, or maybe over lunch or dinner or in the workroom or how, wherever it may have been, but someone showed you this. It wasn't that one morning you woke up out of bed and light bulb turned on and you were a sinner and Jesus was a savior and you trusted in Christ. No. So that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. The Bible says that we are born again of an incorruptible seed, the word of God. And we have the faith that we have today because God's word is here, given to us, and was presented to us one day. I want to maybe say this, brethren, the, the philosophies and the ideas and the opinions of this world, they come and go, they change. Uh, it was only 200 years ago, the great intellectuals and great minds of the time thought that, that if someone was sick, that if you bled them, you drew enough blood out of them, that you would heal them. And with that mentality and with that philosophy at the time, they killed so many people. Let me tell you, the Bible has always said, Leviticus chapter 17, that life is in the blood. And it's more likely today, and it's, it's, no, it's, it's fact today, they might, the hospital today, they might take a little bit of blood out of your intestine. 
but it's more likely that they actually put blood into you than take blood out of you. The truths and the opinions of this world, they come and go to the waver, but God's word remains the same. You know, it was only 200 years ago, a little bit now, over now, 200 years ago, the great intellectuals and seafarers and the, the great discoverers of the time thought that the earth was flat. And they went out and, and searched unknown lands and with always this rule in mind that they needed to see land in view because they thought they could fall off the face of the earth. And Dad to the 40 has always said that the earth is a sphere and that God has it in his hands. The truths of God's word remain the same. The opinions of this world change. They come and go. They wait. Brother, Bible is saying so that faith is by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Will someone have faith this morning because they heard God's word out of your lips, of your voice? Will someone have faith in God's word this morning and in the, in the truth of salvation because they heard God's word from you? Take your Bibles with me and go just a few pages from where you are, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18 says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. By the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. This morning we know that the very heart of God is for the salvation of man. And He's given us His words so that we could sing, we could comprehend, we could most of all believe in. Many a times God's heart has not changed. From saving, saving people. We have God's word. But the fact of reason that many are yet to hear. Is because the preaching of the cross. Is what has been neglected. It seems it pleased God. By the foolishness of preaching. To save them that believe. Foolishness of preaching. And I think about it. It's, it's quite. Um, you know. It's quite. Silly thing, you know, to get up Sunday morning and think, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, um, go to church and get pastor to preach, preach at the end. I'm going to sit in front and, t- and sit in front of him and let, let him, let, let him know, let him tell me all the, all the wrong things that, what, that God's word says that I'm doing. It's a little bit to organize yourself to go and get told, to get told off. Foolishness. But can I tell you? That is the way God designed it. That is the way God finds it. And many people today want to get away and, hey, I'm going to be a witness, I'm going to wear an armband and maybe w, uh, and, and have a little thing or maybe gonna wear, I'm going to put a little fish on my, on my car and I'm, that's how I'm going to share the gospel. The Bible says that praise God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe God's heart is still for salvation. We still have God's word. But this morning I'd like to ask you the question, where are the preachers? Where are those that with God's 
with God's power and with God's anointing and with the boldness and, and the truth of God's word will go and proclaim Christ crucified and not only Christ crucified but Christ buried and Christ living resurrected from the dead. The fact is this morning, brethren, that there are many here this morning who could maybe tell me about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Daniel and the lion's them, and Samson's Delilah, and David and Goliath, and all these things, and all the various miracles of Christ. But when it comes time to share Christ with someone that does not know of God, God's good news of salvation, we're silent. Where are the preachers? Where are those that with boldness and with power would go? Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that you will not open your mouth? And you will not share Christ with somebody if you do not have his heart. It all begins here. The heart. And this morning, if you don't have the heart of God, much less are you going to open your mouth, and much less would someone across the world, over in Mauritius or in Papua New Guinea or those other missionaries that support, it won't matter. You need to first have the heart of God. To, oh, hey, brother, brother Surrett and brother McKay, they need, they need, they need more funds. Well, fifty dollars. If your heart's in it, fifty dollars is gonna go, and you're gonna send that fifty dollars if your heart's in the right place. Tomorrow, when you're at Coles, or tomorrow when you're at Woolies, or through the drive-thru, or wherever you may be, if your heart is in the right place as a believer. Handing out a tract will not be any trouble because that is what consumes you, because that is what your yearning is, because that is what you're seeking for in your life, meant to be saved. Brethren, where's your heart this morning? The very heart of God is for the salvation of man. He's given us His word so that we could, we could, we could uh, hear and understand and explore belief. I want to see this last truth here. Romans chapter 10, if you're, if you're there again. In verse 18 of Romans 10, it says this, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. Verse 19, But I say, did not Israel hear, or know? Did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I'll provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Verse 20, But if Zeus is very bold and saith, I was found of them, that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Verse 18 and 21 shows us the picture, an image of a nation, a people, the Jews, who when they finally received the Messiah that they had been waiting for for so long, they rejected him. But there's another people here in verse 19 that when Christ was given, accepted, and because of their accepting of it, brought the Jews to jealousy and anger. It says this, I'll provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. The Jews consider the Gentiles no people at all, a foolish nation, you and I. But when Christ was given and the Jews rejected and others accepted, I want to show you this today. That salvation intended by God has always been a gift. Never forced upon a man. Intended by God, salvation has always been a gift. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God, eternal life, is Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave. Salvation this morning is just like any other gift. 
if I can say that. We can go out to Westfield today and we can buy a gift for somebody. And uh, we can pay real last cent if we need to uh, for this gift and put the names whom we're going to give it to, wrap it up all nicely. Well, we know that if that gift is not received by that person, that gift is never there. It can be wrapped up nicely, it can be paid for, but if they never take or claim this gift, it's never there, it's always a gift. 2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ completely paid for the forgiveness of sins. He shed his own blood for it. He didn't pay halfway, he didn't, pay, he didn't put it on lay-by. He said on the cross, it was finished, it was done. And he gave it to all of humanity. The fact is, many today have yet to trust in Christ. For this very reason, brethren, how can a man this morning, how can a man receive a gift they don't know exists. How can a man this morning receive a gift they don't know has been paid for? How can a man this morning, brethren, receive a gift they don't know has been given? How? The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How? Let me see here. Where's Simon? Little Simon. Submitted this morning. Okay, I'm gonna. Hey, brother, you introduced yourself to me as well. What's your name? Mitchell. Hey, Mitchell, can I have a gift? 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 You know, bro, can I ask you this question? When was the last time that someone ran on your doorbell, knocked on your door, and just randomly asked you, hey, can I have the gift? The gift. Can I have the gift? I know if someone came to my door and asked you that, what's wrong with you? I shut the door in their face. But <laughs> um, uh, oftentimes, brother, when we stay at home and you know, we live our lives and we're not seeking and yearning after the souls of men, that is what we're really doing. We're sitting at home expecting that they're going to knock on our doorbell, or knock on, ring our doorbell, knock on our door, and ask us for a gift they don't know exists. How? Can you remember the last time someone did that to you? Someone asked you for the gift of salvation just out of nowhere? It doesn't happen that way. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing.
sinners means that we've broken God's law. And we might not have broken God's law in great gravity, but we have. All of us have. And friend, can I tell you, because of your sin, your sin was sending you to a eternal place of fire and damnation. And God did not want that for you. And does not want that for you. And sent his son 2,000 years ago to take your place. Your punishment. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure, let me tell you this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Whosoever, meaning anyone, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. If you would ask God to forgive you of your sins and recognize, hey, Lord, you are a sinner. If you would ask God for this gift of eternal life that he had paid for 2,000 years ago, Bible says, shall be saved. It doesn't say maybe or we'll see or fingers crossed. It says shall be. It's a sure thing. And he tell me that this promise in Scripture is not a promise made by Faith Baptist Church. It's not a promise made by this creature. It's made, made a promise of God. And the Bible says that God is not a liar. It's a true promise. One you can trust in. God has made a way for you to go to heaven and it's through Jesus. And Jesus alone. There is no other man. And there is no other person in the salvation in and of himself. Salvation comes from God. Jesus. Secondly, if you're here this morning, you are a believer. Can I ask you real quick to turn to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11? Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Very popular verse. Might know it by memory. Revelation 4, 11, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are, and both create. Can I ask you this question this morning, brethren? Do you believe that our God is worthy of glory? Amen? Our God this morning, the Bible says, Thou art worthy, O Lord. It doesn't ask us a question, it simply states this fact. Thou art worthy, O Lord, of glory, honor, and power. Our God is worthy of glory, not only here in Australia, but all over the world. He is worthy of glory from all people, from every race, from every nation. God is worthy. If you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, you've come to the point in your life where you realize that your good works, that your church, that the Virgin Mary, that Muhammad, that Buddha, that the Hindu gods couldn't save you, and you ask Christ, Jesus saved you. And when you came to that point in your life and tell you that God and God gave you that gift of eternal life, we can't go around boasting on what we've earned. Salvation was a gift. Nothing we ever gained or deserved. It was simply out of God's mercy that we had salvation today. And, and you know who gets all the glory and the credit for that? God. We can't go around head, head held high and boast about, hey, look, I'm just, because of who I am, I just really deserve heaven. I'm just, I'm just great. No, no, no. God saw the wretch that we were and gave mercy. Salvation. And because it's His great salvation, God gets all the glory. And as you share Christ with somebody else and they trust in Christ as Savior, you don't get glory for that either. God gets it. 
You couldn't save them. You couldn't save yourself. God saves them. He gets all the glory. But can I ask you this? Tomorrow or next week or next month or in the years to come, when God gives you that opportunity to share Christ and you deny your responsibility or neglect your purpose as a Christian to share Christ, will you rob God of the glory that He is worthy of? Will you rob God of the glory that He is worthy of? Our God is worthy that another sinner come to His feet and trust Him as Savior. He is worthy of that. And if you don't give someone the opportunity to trust Christ, you just rob God of the glory that He is worthy of. And that's not a good place to be. Brethren, the Great Commission is the responsibility of every single one of us. Not just of your pastor, not just of the, 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 the leaders of this church, but of every single Christian. If you are blood bought, redeemed child of God this morning, it's your Great Commission. Go and tell the world, every creature, that there is a Savior, that there is a Redeemer, that there is a Lamb of God. This morning, if you're denying responsibility and neglecting that response, that the opportunity of sharing Christ, you are robbing God of the glory that He is working on. You know? I'm not sure about you, but I think about it this way. Myself, my dad from El Salvador, and Salvadorians don't get very big. Okay? Uh, I was pretty much bigger than my dad at 13 years old. And um, I think my dad always told me that the Australian, the Australian beans are different to the Salvadorian beans. I grew a little bit more. Um, but at 13 years old, I don't remember what I did, but I did something wrong. My dad came to discipline me. And that day I thought, well, I'm not going to let myself get disciplined. I'm going to defend myself. And I did that. And I learned the next day when my dad came with a two by four, that was not the way to go. Um, let me tell you now, I'm 23 years old and I live most of my life across the world. My dad um, lives on Australia, soon will live in Argentina. Um, if, I were, if I wanted to run and hide from my dad, I could. When I tell you this morning, you can't run and hide from God. And to rob someone you can't hide or run from is simply absurd. It just doesn't make sense. When we laugh about the story of, of Jonah when he tried to run and hide from God, you know, we try to run and hide from our responsibility of being a witness, we're doing the very same thing. Brethren, where are you this morning? Brother, sister, do you need a spiritual tune-up? Do you need a spiritual change? Do you realize this morning, well, I'm just not, I'm not, I, maybe I don't, I, I had a fire and I had a love for souls in the past, but it's not there anymore. And I plead with you, brother, sister, do a tune-up. Come back to where you should be as, as a believer, as a Christian. And maybe as a Christian, you've, you've never had that journey, never had that passion for souls. See, this morning, brother, we plead with you. Do that this morning. Ask God to have His heart, His yearning. You know, if, I know for um, at least in my family, you know, you're close to somebody when you love them, when you like the same things they like, and you make time for the things that they like to do. You can't be nearer and closer to the heart of God, to to God Himself. When you're loving souls, 
when you yearn songs, that's a, as close as you can get to God, when you love the same thing God loves. Either this morning you're saying, well, I'm going to get a spiritual tune-up, and I'm going, to love the, I'm going to love the heart of God and seek God's heart. Or this morning you're saying, no, God, I don't want to be closer to you. I don't want to be nearer. I'm going to take another step away. You know, just like, a tune, just like your car. When that light turns on, that oil or the engine light, you have a choice right then and there. I'm going to go a few more kilometers. Or I'm going to do a tune-up. I'm going to do something about it. This morning, of God's word has shown me, hey, as a Christian, I'm not in the place I should be. Pray with me, brethren. Don't ignore that. Ask the Lord to do something special in your life, through you, in you. Seek and yearn after the heart of God. Have good passion. When I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of a man, God used him in an amazing way. Just in that, in that time, in that time, in, 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 in the Bible times, God used Apostle Paul in an way to not only reach his own people, but the world at the time. And they tell you that all started with this. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's, my heart's desire very God for Israel is that they should be saved. The Apostle Paul, who was used to reach the known world at the time, first started with a love for his own people. Can you tell me, do you love Australia this morning? Do you yearn and seek after the souls that are here? Now, brethren, we live in a country that hates the things that God loves. And we, and we live in a country that delights and enjoys the things that God hates. We live in a country that blasphemes the name of God. Can you tell you that our God still yearns after this? And oftentimes, as you and I, as believers, we've given up in our own country. Show you this verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 21. Romans 10, verse 21, it says this. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. He's talking to the Israelites here, but isn't that description much a description of most of the world now? And even Australia, a disobedient and gainsaying people. But see, I want to show you this picture of the image of Christ, of our Lord, of our God, arms stretched forth, it says, All day long I stretch forth my hands into disobedient, gainsaying people. He's still waiting. He's still yearning. And although, brethren, you might have shared Christ with that, with that loved one over 12, 20, 30, 40 times. And although that neighbor of yours has heard it over and over again, don't give up on them. God still yearns for them. And I'm stretched out. And he's still waiting for them. Don't give up on us, Charlie, brother. We, we, have, we have, yes, we have stubborn and hard people, but they need to hear. They need to hear of a Savior that loves and cares for them so much that he came and died and and gave his life for them. We have the heart of God this morning. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for, Lord, for Romans chapter 10 and just 
really portraying your heart there. Lord, I thank you so much that your heart is for the salvation of men, and Lord, that there is salvation possible because of that. Lord, I pray uh, this morning if they're being believed, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd work in their heart. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't leave, leave here this morning without doing that. Lord, I pray if there'd be someone here this morning that does not know you as Savior, that they would talk to somebody, that they'd ask you for that salvation this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your patience with us, Lord, as we grow in our Christian lives. But Lord, I pray that you give us, Lord, this yearning, this passion for souls. Lord, the impact you could have throughout this world, Lord, if men would simply love what you love. Thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. You're a great God. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.